Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. All right, thank you, everybody. Today we have Saria Sakosia on the line with us. Saria, are you ready to share with some quality people? Absolutely. I just want to start by thank you again, as I was just thanking you tremendously during some of our pre-show conversations, but for a chief medical officer to jump on the line and talk quality, just, you know, I think this brings a truly different dynamic to some of the discussions that I've already had. So just wanted to start with thanking you for your time today, and, and I know you're going to deliver a really awesome show. Well, thanks. I'm excited about it. This should be fun. I hope so. First, we love to start the show with positive affirmations and really get the momentum going. So, Saria, just wanted to ask if you could share with our listeners a favorite quote or a favorite mindset that, you know, has a deep impact on you, but also share how do you apply it within your daily life? I'm starting this year with a new mindset, and I've been intentional about it, and I remind myself virtually every day that my mantra is do 2019. And I say it that way because oftentimes we let things happen to us, but to really take control and be intentional about our time, 2019 is not going to happen to me. I am going to happen to 2019. Nice. Now, what are, uh, what are some examples of things you are doing to do 2019 so far? So I've been very specific and mindful about what does my day look like? thinking about what is the strategy for the year and considering reflecting back of the goals that I have personally and professionally, um, how do I plan to accomplish those initiatives? What does that look like? And to intentionally visualize that success and to think about what needs to be on my schedule today. If our team is to be successful in achieving our goals, what happens in January in order for March to look favorably the way that we want it to look. Or if I want to be successful in July and accomplish the milestone, what has to be done in April and May for that to happen? And that is the approach that our entire team is taking. So everyone is aligned with that thought to be action-driven and focused on achieving those results. All right. That's exceptional. I love that. That word results is definitely one of my favorites. It's actually my word for 2019. So everything that I do, I, I want results. I want results or great learnings. Saria, so you are not technically a quality improvement professional, but as healthcare leaders, we are all responsible for quality. What for you was your official introduction to quality and what led you really down the career path that you're on as a physician leader and, and the focus on quality improvement? Jarvis, you make a good point. Uh, perhaps I haven't been baptized in the school of quality improvement and maybe some of that experience has been through the hard knocks of realizing maybe you're not doing as well as you think you're doing. So I'll share with you my story. Uh, after training as a family physician, uh, I went into solo practice and decided that I was going to be responsible for 
my patients and their families and that I was going to take that work seriously. This was at the time that electronic medical record was just becoming a thing. So I started with an EMR and through a program called a Diabetes Master Clinician. So this was my first introduction to what quality really looks like because it was in the format of a patient registry. Before patient registries were cool, this was a way of looking at all patients with diabetes in my practice. And of course, as physicians, we like to think that all of our patients receive exceptional care. However, when you actually look at the data, that's not necessarily what you see. So this gave me an opportunity to know that, for example, I had, I'm going to throw a number out there, 357 patients with diabetes. Uh, I could tell you that out of 357 patients, 330 of them had an A1C less than 7, a sign of diabetes being controlled. Uh, I could also follow which patients had received tobacco cessation counseling if they used tobacco. Um, I could tell you if they had been immunized against the flu or pneumonia, and who was on an aspirin if it was indicated. And this was an eye-opening experience for me to understand how data clinically translates to patient-oriented outcomes. And that's where I got the bug for quality improvement. I've always likened a lot of what we do, um, having gone through the School of Hard Knocks and the formal training for quality improvement, being very similar to that diagnostic process that clinicians go through. Um, we're looking for data. We're trying to make a, you know, a triage or a di you know, initial diagnosis and, and kind of push from there to hopefully write some prescriptions. So in my own special way, I, I try to think of myself like a process doctor, if nothing else, and I know a lot of other professionals <laughs> that, that kind of share that mindset. Yeah, doctor process. That's what I'll call you. I will, I will tell you that is a true compliment. Surreal, what I'd love for you to do now is maybe take us back through your journey to a point in your career that you say was probably your worst experience or one of your worst moments as a healthcare quality leader, and really take us in that moment. You know, tell us a story, help us see the scenario, but also kind of the decision processes that you went through during that scenario. Yeah, certainly. And in my experience, Dr. Process, trying on that word for you, in my experience, it's been that we learn the most from the greatest opportunity, from mistakes, from deficiencies, and where we can do better. And so the example I'll share is um, in a, a new chief physician executive role for me, my first chief medical officer position, uh, I entered a community and about the same time that quality was being publicly reported through hospital compare. And what an eye-opening experience to learn that our hospital, my hospital, had some of the worst outcomes compared to other hospitals across the entire country. We had, in some instances, higher mortality rates and higher readmission rates, along with other patient safety concerns. And while this can just feel overwhelming and what do you do and maybe we should just hang it up, what our team recognized is this was the greatest motivator because, you see, we all wake up wanting to do a good job in our work. And everybody in healthcare wants to improve health for their communities. I just feel it in my soul and I believe others do as well. And we also recognize that it's not just about working harder. 
working harder doesn't necessarily improve your results or outcomes. It's working smarter. It's also considering the resilience of your team and making sure that the culture is one of transparency, of empowerment, or that anyone can stop the line based on what they see, what they experience, and any concern that they have at the table. So that's the approach we took. And at that point, we developed a patient safety program and built upon resilience unit by unit. We encouraged, empowered, and raised examples of where people did this well and recognized them as patient safety champions. We created a highly reliable culture, which in turn changed those results and changed those outcomes to one in many cases we were, where we were better than the average hospital in a community. And so that takes, for me, an experience of um, challenge and recognizing that as a team, when you pull together and change a culture, that you can achieve that success and improve patient care quality and eliminate patient harm. I love your entire story there. Um, just before um, jumping on the interview with you, I was actually talking to a, a nursing leader, and we were having a similar conversation more so around the need to change culture to, you know, start pushing towards that high reliability culture, as you mentioned. Would you have any thoughts around timeframes, appropriate pro approaches, even down to the speak-up nature, the speak-up culture that you share? How do you do that and, and get it done within a career's timeframe? That's an excellent question, and one, if not considered on the front end, can lead to disappointment and frustration across the board by employees and leadership alike. So first of all, I think it's important that you have to declare that something needs to change. You have to call out and be upfront that the culture must transform in order to change the results. So many of us have heard the old adage, a system is designed to produce the results that it produces. And so you would be banging your head up against the wall and it would be nonsense, insanity, to try to or expect different results without changing the system or the process. So for those reasons, I think you have to be very clear and go up about 20,000 feet and think, what is a realistic goal? First of all, the declaration by senior leadership. You have got to have all the way up to the top at the CEO level and buy-in from middle management down to the frontline workers. And everyone needs to be trained on what does patient safety look like? What does process improvement look like? And arm people with the tools and the resources to be successful. And then to your point about a timeline, making sure that you set a realistic goal of when everyone's going to be trained and educated. But that's just a very small piece of the trajectory. You also need to consider now people need time to practice in the sandbox, so to speak, and identify quick wins or just do it that people and units and teams can achieve that success and practice with the new toolkit that they have in their armamentarium. And then finally, call that out and recognize and appreciate those who have taken the lead and others who have stepped up and have been courageous with speaking out. And this can take a year or more to be successful. In fact, if you're going to create a highly reliable organization, that takes years and you never quite get there. You're always striving for improved success and achievement. But it does take time and it doesn't happen overnight. Absolutely. Saria, you uh you dropped so many 
value gems with your feedback there. I think we can go ahead and stop the interview. Um, but I have plenty <laughs> of questions left for you. Um, but, no, that, that was great, great feedback. Our next question, then, could you give our quality people and healthcare leaders, administrators out there, one tip or tool or tactic that you found has really worked well for building up intimate connections within your teams? What is it, and how do you apply it? So, Jarvis, I'm going to give you two because I think they go hand in hand. And it, again, starts with leadership, but leading with vulnerability is critical and appreciating your team. And appreciation is not necessarily the same as always complimenting, but it's recognizing the value and their unique contribution to what your team looks like. I think that's very important. And I find that in order for teams to be successful, they need to see some vulnerability expressed by their team leader. Because if your leader seems bulletproof and never shares or questions or asks out of curiosity or develops that personal side to who they are, then you can be challenged with isolation and alienation of the team members. Because then in turn, they look to your behaviors, your practices, to see what they share and how they behave. So once you begin to share those vulnerabilities and asking questions to better understand and to share with them what your doubts or concerns may be, then they will open up and share their own. And that is very important. What I'm very careful about in my leadership is that I do not surround myself with yes people. And when that happens, if everyone is saying yes, I often pause and will say, well, what else? What's missing? What's not here? What can we do better? And then appreciating the people in the room, the person who always has an idea, bringing that to the table, and then the quiet soul in the corner and engaging them and recognizing and calling that out in a way that they see it as a positive, as an attribute that they bring to this group and what they have to offer. So we have appreciating the team and showing vulnerability. So thank you. Next question I have for you, Saria, is share with us one of your best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare professional and a, and a quality professional. Again, take us through that entire thought process. How did that idea come to you? How did you utilize that aha moment for personal and or professional and team success? Well, Jarvis, I would call it my secret recipe. Are you ready for it? Absolutely. <laughs> it's very complex, and there's three ingredients. I might have to cut this part out of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. Keep this one for myself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You'll be more successful if you share with others, though, I will say. So first, it's important to recognize high performers. Second ingredient would be to identify those key, simple drivers that create change. And three, measure. Measure, measure, measure. Measure your success, measure your failures. So let me elaborate on that a little bit. So this is a formula that I use when I'm looking for achieving results and achieving them in a way that it's hardwired and sustainable. So once we walk away and move on to a new challenge, the success and process continues. So for example, if our healthcare organization needs to focus on, I'm going to pick a topic. How about breast cancer screening? 
very important. It saves lives. It improves the health of our communities. The first thing I do is look at our data and identify who are our high performers, who has the highest rates of breast cancer screening. And once I identify who they are, then I go to them for help. And because why reinvent the wheel? If they have figured out how to make this work, it tells me that they have been consistent in their process and the way they do things. And I can typically pick up on one or two, sometimes three pivotal points in their process that creates that consistent cycle. And then I ask them to share because it works in twofold. One, you recognize them for the great work that they do. But then two, people are more likely to learn from their peers and those that are like them than their superiors or anyone else. So whenever I have, let's say, Dr. Johnson share with an entire group of primary care providers in the room what has worked and created success, I've also prepared our system to be able to ensure every practice has that tool or resource. Perhaps it's an electronic medical record and how we use that workflow. And then they're much more likely to embrace that and buy into these hardwired processes. And then I use the data to measure. And we share in our system transparently across all practices, across all providers. So everyone knows how they perform and how the higher performers are doing and those who are more challenged. And this creates an environment of learning from one another and it continues to prove the results. So we'll bring it back the next month. And in any given initiative that we take on, if we follow this formula, the results move, they improve and we see favorable outcomes. So keeping it simple, recognizing your high performers, having them share their best practices, and adopting those key drivers, keeping it simple, and then following the data to see where it takes you. This is one of those moments where I'm so glad I started this podcast because I know our listeners are going to value from everything. You are on fire, my friend. Um, but I'm here taking notes. So this is like one of those moments where the coach gets coached. And so I am loving everything you're throwing down right now. Well, that's what quality improvement is all about, is learning from one another. We all bring something to the table. Absolutely. So then, Saria, what are some changes taking place across the healthcare industry right now that you're excited about, and what role do you see quality professionals playing to promote or support its overall longevity? Well, again, my theory is to keep it simple. And what I'm excited about is that by engaging healthcare teams in ways that we never have before, that we will promote this longevity. And quality professionals have the opportunity to lead this conversation and to lead the work that can achieve success and better patient care and reduce patient harm across the entire country. And that may sound overambitious, but it truly is possible. So I'll give you an example. All I have to do is look at who is the most productive clinician in my system. And when I look across the top of our highest producers, they also have the highest quality. Their patient experience scores are superior to others. And their joy in their work is above the line. And what I have found consistently across this group is they are leaders of an entire healthcare team. They have the ability to delegate tasks and responsibilities and pair them up with the individual with that skill set. 
so that everyone is working at the top of their license, and it creates meaning and joy and practice for everyone that participates in that healthcare team. And then everyone gets to celebrate in the success. That is a true leader in my book, as opposed to years ago where, yes, the leader is ultimately responsible. Yes, tell your people how to do their job and then walk away. That doesn't work. We've got to engage people, identify and appreciate their gifts and their talents, and empower them to develop their own leadership skills and their own ability to be motivators themselves and initiators of success. That's what's exciting in healthcare today. Well, and I'm really glad that you drew the comparison for this this ideal and um, you know futuristic leader model compared to the the old school leader for healthcare model for the healthcare industry. How do you see, or what are some of the things within the healthcare industry that um, the industry as a whole needs to do to attract you know very talented and very ambitious new leaders that are comfortable you know being that ideal leader and not falling into the ways perhaps of that older culture for healthcare sure now this is challenging while it's very basic it is incredibly difficult as we see across multiple industries and that would be an emphasis on diversity and inclusion and what i experience by the most energetic leaders and those that are most successful, they're the ones who don't let their own ego get in the way, that they recognize that by bringing diverse thoughts and perspectives to the table, the water tide rises and everyone is more successful, that we learn from one another. And if everyone looks like us, acts like us, and approaches challenges the same way as we do, then we get the same old results. So until we are intentional about inclusivity and diversity around the table across the entire healthcare industry, we will continue to be challenged by this barrier. Just so you know, I am giving you a podcast hug from Atlanta right now. Um, I, I love that <laughs> feedback. Love that response. Saria, again, you are doing great. And it's now the time for our show where we move into what we call the two-minute drill, where we're just going to go rapid fire through many of the next few questions. So are you ready? Let's go. Let's do this. Saria, tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best day in and day out. It goes back to the team, Jarvis, and getting the W. Nothing excites me more than a win that our entire team celebrates. And when everyone gets to put their stamp on that plan, on that process, then everybody wins and sees their image in the outcomes that we achieve. What is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Uh, it's actually in the form of a question. One of my mentors once said to me uh, in a troubling time early in my career uh, when I was challenged with figuring out what was important to me. Do I want to be popular or do I want to lead? And that is a fundamental question as leaders we must ask ourselves in on many occasions, it presents itself as a challenge. It's not about being liked, and being popular does not necessarily equal respect. What respect is trust, recognition, and value that the work that you do is leading us in a direction that matters. So on those difficult days when people are divided, and so when I go to sleep at night and go, did I do the right thing? Did I do it for the right reasons? Then I led today. It's okay I'm not so popular every day with everyone. Excellent, excellent. 
So you you somewhat touched on it in your last response there, but do you have a mentor that has had an impact on your career? Yes, I do. I, I have several mentors, and I'm grateful for those opportunities and connections with individuals, but one that sticks out to me is Dr. Ed Shahady, the same person who gave me that advice. And at this point in his career, he is in his 80s, and he has transformed himself at least three times that I'm aware of, and it's because of his adaptability, his flexibility, and recognizing and having that self-awareness of where his interests lie and how he aligns them with the direction in the future in healthcare. Okay, and that was Dr. Ed Shahidi? Ed Shahidi. And he would say, don't be afraid to lead. And one more word, phrase of wisdom from him is don't do anything you don't want to see in the newspaper tomorrow. Good <laughs> advice. Good advice. Awesome. Let me ask you this, just kind of a, a spin or an add-on, an expansion of that question, but are, do you have any advice on how to go about finding a mentor and maybe asking them to partner within, uh, with you in your career? Yes, I would say seek them out. You may be fortunate and blessed with someone to recognize you and decide that they are going to take you under their wing, but most often when this happens, the most humble mentors and sponsors may not see that you connect with them or that they have something to offer you. So be take the initiative and be ambitious and ask people. Seek them out and say, will you be my mentor? Will you connect with me on occasion? And and lead that direction. And oftentimes what that does is recognize that value in that person and engages them in a way that they know you're open to what they may have to say. Perfect, perfect. So, Saria, can you share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality initiatives? Yes, so we all have ways of getting things done in a world of technology with our smartphones and our Macs and our phones and our meeting invites and everything else that gets in the way. I focus on, again, a simple process, and that is do today's work today and plan today for tomorrow. And that's how you do 2019, and 2019 does not do you. Thank you for connecting it back to uh, to your model there. <laughs> Saria, share with our listeners one Internet resource that helps you to be the most productive. Well, this is an easy one because I use it several times every day, and that is Google. Don't be embarrassed <laughs> to say that Google is a resource. This is where I go to to get a high-level picture of what's happening what opinions might be, and where to dig deeper into reliable resources for the work. You always want to validate, of course, but it's the first place I start, whether I'm driving to a new location or I'm seeking for new healthcare trends. Google.com. Could you share with our quality people one professional association and one professional conference that you think will be a value add? Well, and I'll share a couple with you, and that's because I oftentimes mentor physicians and so in that case, I refer them to the American Association for Physician Leaders. And one of the main reasons for this is networking, learning from other people, listening to what they have to say, and sharing those experiences is invaluable. So for someone who's not necessarily a clinician or a physician specifically, I would recommend the American College of Physician Executives, or I'm sorry, not a physician executives but the American College of Healthcare Executives, A-C-H-E. This is a tremendous resource across the country. The programs oftentimes are up-to-date, 
and they have a way of identifying best practices across a broad landscape to bring them front and center for you and to connect those who have similar ambitions as yourself. And then you asked about a professional conference, and this may vary based on what your interests are. I say what's important is go to where you are passionate. And so for me, this has been modern healthcare. They have a women's leaders conference every summer, and this is something I've done year over year for the past several. It's a place where I am energized and connect with others. They also have a fantastic leadership conference and several others. It's also a subscription that I absolutely recommend anyone in healthcare consider because it crosses all perspectives, perspectives and venues of healthcare. So that would be modern healthcare. And do you have one book that you could recommend to our leaders, or, or excuse me, our listeners and our leaders, um, but share why you think it would be a book worth reading? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll just refer to the book that I'm currently reading, and that would be Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Brene Brown is known for her conversations about vulnerability and connecting with her teams and leading courageously. And there's several excellent examples in this book that walks through whether you're the CEO of an organization, a manager, or a team player, because we all serve in those roles in different aspects of our lives. It's a great read, and she has several others if you're interested and um, and identify with her philosophy, then she will certainly keep you busy with um, podcasts and YouTube videos and her books that are out there. Yeah, I've not read her book, but I, I did watch her TED Talk, and it was amazing. So I appreciate that. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. She is a people connector, and that's why I trust and respect what she talks about in her books and whenever she speaks publicly. Our next question, though, is a personal favorite because what I'd like you to do is simultaneously reflect on your past while having you look forward to your future. So let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years in, into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a few seconds and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? Uh, Jarvis, I would reflect back to my early career and making those difficult decisions, again, about being popular or leading and what matters and what makes a difference in life. And so my text to myself 10 years ago uh, would have been, don't worry, it works out in the end. And it truly does. If you follow your true compass, if you go to sleep at night knowing you did the right thing for the right reasons, then it does all work out. And then for the future... Oh, I think about where I'll be 10 years from now, and it brings a smile to my face because every decade in my life just gets better and better as I gain experience and wisdom and learn from others. And so I would say enjoy the ride, dot, LOL. And I put a laugh out loud at the end because I think it is so important in life not to take ourselves too seriously, to laugh at ourselves and laugh with others. Because joy is what life should be about. Um, yes, we have to be serious from time to time, but humor is healing. And sometimes if you, if you don't laugh, then you cry. Because life isn't easy either. So surrounding yourself with people who can do the same and laugh out loud. Enjoy it. 
No, amazing messages, and Sari, I can't thank you enough. I, I'm really looking forward to, to even me personally going back and combing through the recording as I get it ready to launch. So many great, valuable points of feedback. Um, you are amazing, but we are at the end, so I would love to end today with you giving our quality piece a parting, excuse me, our quality people, a parting piece of advice um, share with them maybe the best way to follow you or connect with you on social media, and then we'll sign off. Yes, yeah, so I will close with saying be your best self. No one else but your best self. Identify, embrace, appreciate your gifts. And then I would encourage you to follow me on Twitter at Saria underscore Saposio. Love to hear from you. Exceptional. So we will type all of those up in our show notes and get it out as soon as possible. But, Saria, again, my friend, thank you so much. My pleasure, Jarvis. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.